everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Today I have a return guest. I get a few of those now and then. My guest today is the author of the Detective Parrot Mystery Series. The latest book in that series is Crystal Blue Murder. I almost wanted to say Crystal Blue Persuasion. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Crystal Blue Murder uh, was selected as December Read by Women Writers Women's Books. Her second book in that series, A Palette for Love and Murder, won the Killer Nashville Silver Falchion Reader's Choice Award in 2021. She's also written books outside the series, standalones, that have either been shortlisted or made the finals in various award contests. I'm pleased to have with me Sarah Lynn Richard. Hi, Sarah Lynn. Glad Hi, to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be on. Excellent. Good. I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, so tell me, uh, was your title inspired by Breaking Bad? <laughs> <laughs> no, Since but there... Crystal Blue Persuasion was running through my mind as <laughs> worm during the whole time I was writing the book oh my gosh wow because I noticed that the uh the story starts off with a bang in terms of like the explosion of a meth lab I think it is mm -hmm. so what was it that inspired you to write this story well my series my detective parrot series that started with murder in the one percent is set in Brandywine Valley, Pennsylvania. And that is a very rural, peaceful, serene, wealthy area west of Philadelphia. And there, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of parties that go on there. There's, there are horse horse activities, equestrian activities. There are artists in the community. Um, you're probably familiar with Andrew Wyeth and his family. 
They live in Brandywine Valley and paint there. Uh, there are numerous um, things to do there. And um, there, there are just lots of stories waiting to be told. And the first book, Murder in the 1%, takes place with the equestrian crowd at a party. The second book, A Palette for Love and Murder, takes place with the artist community. And this third book takes place, uh, starts off with the burning of a bank barn. And bank barns are prolific throughout Brandywine Valley and really throughout New England. They are, um, they're structures that are very, very interesting because they were built for functionality uh, into a bank of dirt. It has nothing to do with a money bank. Um, it, they were built into a bank of dirt so that it's a, a bi-level barn and it's, protective of the animals that might live there in cold winter time. It's also convenient to, to store grain because you can get to the hay loft from the other side so that it's on the first floor. And those structures, because they're so old, have been in disrepair. And so people have uh, societies out in the country trying to preserve the history of this country flavor have um, taken about renovating them and making them, you know, preserving them for history, for historic purposes. And I've been on tours of these barns and they're just remarkable. They're just fabulous. Some people have turned them into houses and they're like 40,000 square foot houses with tall uh, ceilings, really high, super high ceilings. You can get a 40 foot Christmas tree in your house. Um, so anyway, those exist in Brandywine Valley and sort of the dark side of Brandywine Valley is because it's so isolated and remote, it might be a really great place to have a meth lab because yes. people aren't really checking. Um, it's it sort of live and let live. And, uh, you know, no one would really suspect that there could be a meth lab in one of these bank barns. So that's what gave me the idea for the story. And Detective Parrot is on it from from the call that he gets in the middle of the night to come to the bank barn where there's a fire and he goes through all the toxic um, work to extinguish that fire with the fire department and look for clues and they find a body in that barn. So that's how the book starts. Well, that's fascinating. I'd never even heard of bank barns before this. So they sound like remarkable structures. They are. There's. I have a book here. There are many, many books that have been written about bank barns um, that I did research 
using these books and authors. But I've also been on tours of bank barns, and they're just really remarkable. So it's good. I, I love to read books where you learn something new. And I like to write books where I'm able to convey something new also. I was going to say, this is definitely a book where you learn something new. <laughs> um, let's see. You also, I noticed in reviews of your work that people will remark on how great your characters are, how much they love them. What is it that you do to create characters that are so relatable that people want to follow them? I, I have this philosophy about people that there's no one who's entirely bad and there's no one who's entirely good. And I've seen this throughout my years as an educator, even the worst acting child in a school has some redeeming qualities. It has some motivation that makes him act out something that, um, that can be addressed. And, and so I try to carry that over in my writing. And I think that that's one factor. And the other is that my characters really come to me um, first. My story revolves around the characters instead of the other way around. And before I even have a plot at all in mind, I have interesting people that are ready to populate the story. And I and I talk to them, I listen to them, and they they're with me the whole time that I'm writing. And then afterwards too, I, I never lose my characters. They're always they're like my friends, you know, imaginary friends, but friends. I can relate with that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, that and the the song "Crystal Blue Persuasion," right. <laughs> <The> Airworm. <laughs> um, let's see. You must have done a lot of research for this too, I assume. Go uh, too much buildings. <laughs> and I don't know that I didn't know that much about um, the the procedures for containing it and how dangerous it is. And there are some other things that happen in this book also that required a lot of research. And really all of my books, with the exception of the one that takes place in an inner city school, um, because I really lived that life myself for a lot of years, that one did not require a lot of research, but all the rest of them really do. And research is one of my favorite parts about writing a book because I love meeting people. I love talking to people. I love learning new things. And, and I just, I love the interactive part of research. And it, and I want my books to be authentic. If they're not, someone is gonna call you on every little detail that is inauthentic. And so, I really spend the time doing the research ahead of time so that I know that, or I'm confident that my stories will read true. 
I have a funny feeling that's the constant worry of every fiction writer out there, <laughs> that somehow we're going to get the details wrong. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what are you working on now? Actually, I'm working on the next Detective Parrot book, which is an anomaly for me because what I usually do is write a parrot book and a standalone a parrot book and a standalone because I don't want to burn out parrot and I don't want to burn out myself on writing these same characters, these the same setting and so on. Um, but the reason that I broke that pattern this time is that I have a fantastic story and it, the story just gripped me, the characters and the story and I, I thought, I can't wait to do this one. I have to do this one now. So I don't have a title for it yet. I'm just about maybe one fourth of the way through reading, through writing it, the first draft. But um, it's an incredible story and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, some stories just sort of beg to be told. They, they sit there in your head and they need to be told. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. And uh, what about uh, Parrot's wife? I remember she was pretty significant in uh, the uh, previous book, A Palette for Love and Murder. So does mm -hmm. she play a part in this story? Mm -hmm. She plays a part in every story now, uh, because in the very first book, they weren't married yet. She was just his fiance, and she was in Afghanistan doing a tour of duty with the Navy. So um, she's back and they're married. And of course, they're not completely happily ever after because in fiction, there's no such thing as, as completely happily ever after. But um, she has some issues and those issues continue to be a part of the plots. You know, parents' life has this way of intertwining with his cases it, it's subtle in a lot of the cases it's it's just a subtle intertwining but somehow what's going on at home affects what's going on at work and the other way around so tanya is you know an integral part of that because she is parrot's soulmate and you know sometimes they disagree and sometimes they have uh, big decisions to make and those things can impact his work and his work can impact those decisions yeah yeah so the last time we spoke you were working on one of your standalones i believe uh, can you talk about your standalones a little bit Sure, I have two of them. One is called A Murder of Principle, and that is the one that I mentioned before that takes place in an urban high school. And um, it's it's what it says. It's a murder of principle. And uh, there's a new principal that comes to the school, and he's kind of a maverick and not very popular with uh, most people because He's extremely student-centered, 
And there are a lot of people that just don't like him. And he very soon after he starts the job, he's killed and the assistant principal has to step up and help the police solve the case. So that's basically the premise for A Murder of Principle, which is a really fun book. And the, the most amazing thing about that to me is I have worked in probably 50 different high schools in this country as a teacher, an administrator, or a school improvement consultant. Um, and I have lots and lots of friends and readers who have also worked in schools. And when this book came out, I kept getting from everybody, you wrote about my school. You wrote, this is exactly my school. And some of them were schools that I had worked in and some of them weren't. But what that told me was that schools are kind of universal places and the experiences, the things that go on in schools, especially behind the scenes, are, is pretty universal. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and that book came out last year or, well, two years ago. And then last year, this book came out, Bad Blood Sisters. And I think this is the one I was working on when we talked last. And I've always wanted to write a book that's set in my hometown, which is Galveston, Texas. So Bad Blood Sisters is my answer to that. And so it's my heart for that. For that. And one of the things that's unusual about this book is that the entire book is written from a single person's point of view. And I had never done that before. So it was a challenge. Uh, if, if you're a writer, you understand that challenge because your character has to be in every single scene and nothing can be revealed unless it's through her eyes, her ears, things people say in front of her. But it's, you know, there, it's a delicate thing when you're writing from a single point of view. But the benefit of that is that it makes the book very intense and very personal. So even as I was writing the book, I was so in sync with this character that I felt she was, I was she and she was me. And um, so when something bad happened to her, that bad thing happened to me also. And that intensity for me as a writer, I think, passes on to the reader. And so it, it was a lot of fun to write that book, too. And it came out last year. Both both Bad Blood Sisters and Crystal Blue Murder came out in 2022. Well done. Um, Thank you. Your mention of Galveston now has me... Galveston, Singing the song, song Galveston, Galveston. <laughs> running through my head along with Crystal Blue Persuasion. <laughs> oh boy, this is turning into old time in rock and roll. What's in the other? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. When when you finish a book, do you launch right into uh, writing the next book, or do you kind of wait? 
I usually just launch right into the next book. Um, and I, I will say probably the reason for that is I came to this writing career after my career in education. I wanted to write from the time I was a little girl. And I had this was a dream deferred for me. And I finally have dedicated time, place, um, attitude, tools, talent, research, you know, all the things that I need, I finally have. I have two critique groups. I have lots of people who help me as beta readers. And so I don't want to waste any time with all of those things surrounding me. I, I want to, it's not that I'm in a mad dash to produce books and I don't have a, a pressured schedule for it, but I, I also don't want to waste a year or six months or even three months. I, I don't want to waste time when I have lots and lots of stories to tell. I hope I'll have time to, to write them all. I completely appreciate that thought, not wasting time <laughs> <laughs> completely. Let's see, what do you do when you're not writing? What are your favorite pastimes? Well, one of them is reading. Of course. So, um, <laughs> And I had a, a tight last year, in addition to putting out both Bad Blood Sisters and Crystal Blue Murder, I also reissued Murder in the 1% and A Palette for Love and Murder. So I really put out four books mm -hmm. in one year. And that was so crazy, busy, yes. um, just unbelievably busy that I didn't have time to read. And I think I went almost a whole year without reading. Maybe I read three or four books in the whole year because I was so busy doing my own writing. And um, I feel that I suffered from that. I, I feel that my life is not complete without a book to read. So that is... If you if I had to say what my most important hobby is, it's reading because it fills up my soul. It fills up my head, my heart, and my soul. Um, but I also have some activities that I do. I have uh, two dogs, and one is an old English sheepdog. And so a lot of my leisure time is taken up with certain things that have to do with my dogs. I live on a beach and I love the beach. So I try to spend some time there. I like to garden. I like to cook. Um, I like to play uh, bridge and mahjong and word games and just all kinds of games. I, I try to spend as much time as I can with family. And sometimes we can't do that in person, but we do it on FaceTime. So we're always doing creative kinds of FaceTimes. Like we sometimes bake together and we sometimes play cards together over FaceTime. 
uh, we become very creative that's during a great the time idea covid yeah we play games and we just do a lot of things on facetime that's fantastic has your marketing changed at much now that the pandemic is sort of I don't know it has not disappeared but it seems to people are trying to get together more now do you, do I'm, you going out, I'm going out more than mm -hmm. I did uh, a palette for love and murder came out right as COVID as the the lockdown started so that was um I had to cancel all of my in-person events and you know people were in shock over covid so nobody was thinking about a book and um so then we started using zoom and having lots of virtual meetings and i still do a lot of virtual activities but i have started doing more in-person events and i had one yesterday and i have one next week and so my calendar starting to resemble the kind of activity that it used to have before COVID but I, I would say I still have to be careful because yes. some of my friends I just lost a friend to COVID last week so um I think we all still need to be careful sorry to hear about your friend yeah, we do have to be careful, unfortunately. Um, do you have any uh, tips for people who are interested in writing for a living? Any Anything that you haven't mentioned before on the show before this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I teach creative writing, so I have lots and lots of tips for um, writers. And I can't remember what I mentioned on the show before. But I'll share this one tip that I got from Eric Larson. So I'll I'll pay it forward. He, as you probably know, he writes very creative nonfiction books. And my creative writing class was studying nonfiction. And so I contacted him and I said, what advice would you give them? And he gave me some really great advice that you should always stop in the middle. And I said, do you mean in the middle of a sentence? Do you mean in the middle of a paragraph? Do you mean in the middle of a scene? Do you mean in the middle of a chapter? And he said, yes, <laughs> all of those. Just in the middle of something. Stop writing when you're in the middle. Don't polish off your chapter, and then go to bed. End your session while you're still in the middle, because when you start up the next day or your next writing session, it's going to be a smoother and easier hitting the ground running because you know where you're going, you know where you were, you can just pick right up and, and get started. And I think that's really great advice. And I think it saved me a lot of time. Because when you do finish a chapter, there's a certain amount of, hmm, where mm -hmm. am I going next? 
And you don't have that anymore if you stop in the middle. Yes, I have actually heard that from another author. I think it might have been Robert Crace, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, when you uh, stop in the middle, you have that momentum going for you when you go in. So yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I can't believe we've gone so, that <laughs> this is so fast. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> It's such a pleasure to to talk with you, Debbie. You always have such great questions, and and you're a fabulous author yourself. So, well, thank you. <laughs> why don't Why don't we add something about your writing here? Who me? Oh, well, let's see. Gosh, I'm actually working on a short piece that features Sam McRae, who is my uh, protagonist okay. from my four book series. It's kind of like a break from Erica because Erica is pretty intense. She's a veteran and she has PTSD and all these problems. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice to go back and do some legal stuff? <laughs> so I'm working on that. Plus, I've just come up with an idea for the third Erica book. And it's kind of like real fresh in my mind. And I'm like scribbling things down. <laughs> and it's at that phase, you know, kind of like. It's a fun phase. Where you draw out those little possible diagrams of people who could be involved and what they could be doing and thinking yeah it's an, an exciting phase yeah so there's that so i'm hoping to uh kind of like get the get the um you know the shorter work out there maybe on um what do you call it S substack i've been kind of exploring substack and it's interesting it's an interesting place because people with like Pulitzer Prizes are writing there. It's just amazing to me what's going on there. Anyway, <laughs> having said that, um, I just want to thank you for being here. Really, uh, thanks thank you. for your time and, and for answering questions and just spending time with us and being able to get to know you and your work. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to more conversation. I hope so. Yeah. Grab a spot while you can. I, I am like booked out till 2025, if you can believe that. I, oh, I well, cannot I, believe this. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I don't know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So thanks again for being here. And um with that, I will just say to everybody, please remember to leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And also, secondly, check us out on Patreon. We have a Patreon page, and there are perks for people who support the podcast. So with that, I will just say in two weeks, we will have our next guest, who is Leanne Post, who I believe is actually four authors writing under one name i don't know how we are going to do this particular interview i don't know if we're going to have a four-way five-way uh less than four I, it's going to be very interesting to see what we do <laughs> i know lee and post and i've i've read thoughts and prayers their book so uh-huh yeah cool. i'm looking forward to talking about that yeah so in any case, um, thank you all for listening and I will see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, take care and happy reading.